0: All right, let's talk about this concept of work-life blend. How do we do this in the faith? All right, this is a conversation I'm having a lot at the moment with people. That's why you know, I want to bring it to you guys. And it's certainly something that I've struggled with over my entrepreneurial slash faith life is the question of you know, how much is my responsibility and how much is God's responsibility? You know, at what point am I working in faith uh, at what point am I working in flesh, and what does it look like to work from a place of active rest? All of those questions—they're really big questions—and um, you know, I've I've obviously looked around, at, you know, some different people's opinions in this area, and I feel like nobody's nailing it actually. Uh, you know, they're either they're either too far on the flesh side, uh, or they're too far on the faith side, and they and they're not super practical, um, and so. Uh, You know, I've been, I've been, uh, this is a wrestle that I have been on for a long time, and I don't stand before you today to kind of tell you that I've nailed it, but I've got some criteria on how to handle it well and how to negotiate it, because at the end of the day, remember, God said to Noah, build an ark, but He didn't come down and hammer any nails in. Uh, He just gave him the blueprint on how to do it, and it was up to Noah uh, to navigate the work ethic and the and the hours and the you know and some of the skill set to be able to do it. So. It's about a relationship of collaborating um, and I personally know that there are times when I get the blend of work and life wrong there's no doubt about it. Um, I don't call it work-life balance on purpose because you know I just don't think I think it's it's too much pressure to have to balance all those areas of life on your shoulders. And I also think that they, there can be no blanket rules because we would all do this thing differently because we all have a you know, different set of circumstances. You know, like, like if you don't have any kids, then don't complain about time is probably the short answer. But if you don't have kids, then you've got a very different dynamic in your life to those that do. You know, and if you've got lots of kids, it's a different dynamic to having any ha- If you've got a massive business, it's a different dynamic to those that haven't. So um, it, 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 that's why there can be no blanket rules on how to do this because everybody's in a different situation. Some people are night owls, some people are you know, morning owls. A- and so all of that feeds into how do we do this thing called work-life blend? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we all have 24 hours. And, uh, a- and I hear a lot of people make comments like, I need that eighth day of the week or 25 hours in a day. And a lot of those people are joking in the way they say it. But if you ever catch yourself thinking there's not enough time in a day, what you're actually saying is that God did not create the perfect day. And I think that's a mistake. I think at the absolute baseline of this whole conversation of work-life blend, we have to understand that when God created this, you know, for us to go from midnight to midnight for whatever a day is, when He created that, it was perfect. Meaning that there is enough time in a day for you and I to tick all of the major boxes in life. right? There's enough time in a day to sleep well. There's enough time in a day to grow a business. There's enough time in a day to be with the people that matter most. There's enough time in a day to grow in the things of him. There's enough time in a day for you to whatever, you know get your quiet time or whatever it is you're looking to do. There is enough time in a 24 hour day to do that. So, so from my perspective, that's the filter that I put all this through. This, this can be done in a 24 hour day. Uh, otherwise god wouldn't have made it so what do we have to um let's let's get some writing happening on the old ipad what what do we have to balance well you've you've um you've probably heard me talk a little bit about the five f's okay we call it the five f's you can find that in my book called supernatural business Available under the books tab on businessgreenhouse.com.au. All right, so we've got this work life balance, work life blend thing, and we have to be able to manage faith, family, finance, fitness, and fun. They're probably the five major characters that we have to put into our life if we really want to call ourselves having a successful life, okay? We would be always growing in those five areas, always growing in our faith, becoming, becoming more like God, better understanding who He is, growing in our family and having better relationships, growing in our finance, having more money, growing in our fitness, right? You know, getting healthier as time goes on and then having more fun in the world around us. Like, like it's okay to have fun. So uh, if we've got a work-life blend all of this together, I've got some criteria here on how to do it. Certainly not a foolproof plan, but definitely some things that you can learn from uh, to make sure that you don't make the same mistakes that I did when I started in business, which was work far too much, neglect everything else, and, uh, you know, and, and that's just a mistake. That is definitely a mistake to, to just go all in. I, I did the finance thing incredibly well when I first started, and I did uh, the rest pretty average And these days, like just to be honest, the one that I struggle with most is fitness. And you know, I'm I'm running, um, you know, when time allows, but it's I'm certainly not hitting any records here. So it's the area when I look at these, when uh, I when I go through the lenses of how do I improve, the area that I really need to be focusing on is fitness. Okay, just not something that I particularly enjoy. Alright, so what do we do here? Um, here's a couple of thoughts on how to do work-life blend better and make sure that you are um, not striving. Um, I mean, uh, you've got to work hard. Please understand, I work really hard and I love working really hard, so it's not about that. But, but it's about, I think. I think there's a difference between working hard and striving. Striving is when it's totally only in your strength and there's no collaboration. Uh, working hard is a given for a believer. So one of the things I would say to you if we want to do a really good job of this work-life bend, blend is take the opportunities, all right, and be uh, spontaneous, which is a struggle for some people. What do I mean by that? So I was talking with a client the other day who had been running and running and running, building his business, flying around the country a lot, you know, he's got young kids, and he, and he was traveling, traveling, and he was literally about to go home to see his kids, you know, give them a kiss, and then literally drive and, go, and you know, I think he was off to Melbourne, then he was coming to Queensland, and he was going to miss them again. And he actually, as he, as he saw the kids, he had a quick thought. He's like, actually, let's all go to Melbourne right now. Let's pack the car. Uh, let's, let's take them out of school. Let's all go to Melbourne. Let's spend three days together before I go off to Queensland. And so that's what they did, right? They, you know, they quickly packed up the car and off they went. They drove down to Melbourne and they had three days together and he did a little bit of work, but he also spent time with the family and they got a beautiful hotel and played in the pool and stuff like this. It's really easy to just let all of those opportunities go by, but we've got to be opportunistic and say, Hey, listen... You know, w- w- why don't we do this a little bit together? You know, like I remember there were times with Kimberly where I'd be like, I'm flying somewhere. I'd be like, come with me. I know it doesn't make sense. Let's get a babysitter. Let's pay them any money. You know, let's, let's do what we have got to do. Why? Because I, I want, uh, yes, I've got to go and do this speaking thing, but I want this 24 hours or this 48 hours with you. Let's just make it happen. You know, it's not ideal, but let's just make it happen anyway. And I think if we actually started to spot the opportunities that present themselves for us to be around the people we love who we typically neglect when we build a business, then I think that there'll be more of them. And listen, it's it, it, it can't be commercial. You know, this was a mistake I made when I first started in business and marriage. Everything had to be commercial. I'd be like, well, I can't take you because that's, you know, an extra 500 bucks in flights. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, after a while, the, you know, you you just make those investments because you want to stay married. So just make those investments. They're a really good use of your money. So, you know, when it comes to those people closest with you, your mum, your dad, your kids, your wife, your spouse, find the opportunities to do that. You know, like... Um, you know, if, if you haven't spent much time with your parents, like say say to your mom or your dad, hey, listen, I'm going on this trip, but I want you to come with me, and I'll just I'll pay for you to come, and we just want to hang out together. Like find the opportunities throughout the busyness to to steal those and be spontaneous, and you'll find that you enjoy the journey a lot more, um, and you'll 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 get rid of a heap of friction that happens, especially between husband and wife right when one of you is out charging and building a business it can cause a bit of friction so being spontaneous and grabbing the opportunity is to say hey listen you know like i'm i'm home for this weekend l- l- let's just let's just go somewhere and take in a show and a dinner and and you know go in the cabins in the woods and just hang out and get out of phone reception and just be with each other like Like, they pay dividends uh, over time. So I fully recommend that you've got to be able to spot those little opportunities to find the people that matter most and go and invest the time. Here's another one when it comes to spouses. Here's one that we do, and Kimberly has spoken on this at the summits before. We call it taking the five. And it's literally just finding five minutes where you talk to each other about the things that you wouldn't normally talk about. This came about as one of the things that we did in our family because, like I said, right in the beginning, I was working really, really hard. Kimberly was pregnant 12 weeks after we got married, so it was a very intense period of time. And, um, you know, and after a couple of years, we were estranged. Like, we weren't tight. There was nothing great in our relationship. We were, you know, we would pass like ships in the night and... And uh, very little spark, you know. And we were young. Like, we, 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 we should not have been in that situation. And so we went and sought some help from our pastors. G'day, Pastor Len and Helen. You guys are amazing. They helped us kind of see our rubbish in our own eyes and, and get back on the same page. And one of the things that um, my pastor said to me was, uh, he said, I want you to. Um, I want you to. Um, Spend five minutes a day or, or catch up and spend five minutes. And Wes, you can't talk about business. And Kimberly, you can't talk about the kids. And so we said, okay, we're gonna do that. So we made a cup of tea as we do. We're a tea family, about 20 cups of tea a day. And so we, w- that's typically our thing. We put the kids to bed and then we sit down with a cup of tea. And so we sat there, okay, we're gonna take the five. And so we sat and we looked at each other. We had a cup of tea, all right, five minutes. And that's all we had for five minutes. The first time we did this, we had nothing. It's like, uh, mm, I can't talk about that. Do you want, uh, can't talk about that. Oh, do you want, can't talk about that. (laughs) And then we, that's when we realized we had a problem because anything we ever spoke about was business and kids. That's when we realized we needed to reconnect. And so. But as we did this more and more and more, it became easy, and fast-forward now, we do off really well. Phones in the, flo- in, in the cupboard when I go home, and now we, you know, we don't talk about anything, we don't talk about business or kids unless we really have to, and the rest of the time we're you know, dreaming up plans or whatever, whatever. So, so that was a lesson that we had to go through, and, and it's funny, I, I had somebody do this exercise with me the other day, there were a couple, and I made them take the five, and they had no idea what to say to each other. No idea. He come up with some mumble thought, she come up with a mumble thought, and that was all they come up with in a five-minute window. Because it, people are not connecting at an emotional level, okay? And you need to do that if you're going to do this. You've got to take the five. All right. Uh, what about this one? Um, you need to be able to spot the fear that drives flesh. So typically, what happens when a situation arises And that that sends you over the edge and you go into full like, you know, I need to solve this mode. God, you can go sit back in a box over there because I'll come back to you in a minute while I solve this. The activity of operating in our flesh is driven by an underlying fear. It could be fear of failure. It could be fear of if I, you know, well, let me give an example. Talking to a client the other day, he said, this, this event took place where he'd been chasing a contract for two years, and it was a significant contract, and it, and it was progressing and progressing, and then one department gave it to another department within the company he was selling to, and so then he had to kind of restoke up the contract, and, then, um, and then, then went to another contract, and they finally came out and said, we might be dropping the whole contract, and he's put two and a half years of work in. And, uh, and, and, that's, so that's and basically, he gets to the point where he's like, 12 months ago? He said, I would have been like freaking out. I would have been dead set, angry to my family, my kids. I would have been frustrated, dogged. I've got to solve this. I'm going all over the country. I've got to put in 900 hour days. He's like, but when it happened this time, I have learned that actually, you know, this was a fear of I'm not good enough. I was always driven by I've got to do this because this is what allows me to measure up. These contracts are the things that give me my significance. Now my significance is in the Lord. And so when, you know, as this event has taken place, this time around, he's like, actually, I give that over to you, Lord. You give me a strategy for winning it back and I'll go and do the work. And that's the difference here, right? Because when when something happens that drives you to go into full flesh mode and strive to get it done, there is an underlying fear that you need to be able to spot and deal with. Because if it is a fear of success, then you need to go and work out why. If it is, you know, that the fear is that, you know, if I don't win this contract or if I don't get this money, that it means I'm not good enough, then you've got to work out why. At some point in your life you've partnered with a lie that the fear feeds off to bring back that outworking of driving in the flesh. So so when 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 you find yourself overstepping the mark and being far too human and not collaborating with the king. When you find yourself being dogged and you push everything else aside, you know, when you're pushing aside your faith, your family, your fitness, and your fun for the sake of some finance, you've got to ask yourself, what is driving this? It'll be a recurring pattern, right? We, you know, th- there's not much that drives us, there's only a handful of things, and most of them are probably negative. So when we find them, we can work with them. But you've got to ask yourself, what is the fear that drives my flesh? When those, min- when those things happen where you want to put your hands back on the wheel because you need to control it, what's the fear that is driving that behavior? Once you've worked that out and you deal with it and you take it to the cross and you trade that for a better belief, then your life will become a whole lot better. Okay, here's a sustainable, here's a sustainable answer to the question of, you know, how do I make sure that I'm balancing and blending all of those areas of my life? You need to employ people early. Okay, one of the reasons why we completely overextend ourselves in our business to get finance is because we don't have other people that can help us along the journey, right? If you actually, like the, the sustainable way to building a bigger and bigger and bigger business that doesn't kill you and drain from you, the only sustainable answer is employ team put people around you to take the stuff that you sh- that you're doing that you need to give to somebody else okay so it's that stops you having to be the person that does it all it stops you having to be the only decision maker it stops you having to work more hours which means that there's only you know there's less hours in a day for you to juggle the other four areas that will that will allow you to you know kind of step back from the business and ultimately like You know, um, the area of finance, which is what we're calling business in this situation, the area of finance is only one area. um, But you don't have to be working 70 hours a week to build your finance. You probably do at the start, but over some period of time, you're going to want to put those people around you so that the business can grow and build and throw off profit without you having to be the one that does all of the work. Okay. So the only sustainable way I can see where you, you know, that you get away from overextending yourself uh in the work area is to employ team and to train them well and to give them you know authority to go and run their department and they'll go and do a good job and then you don't have to be there all the time which means you can go and deploy more of that time into the other areas of your life right get fit whatever have more fun spend more time with your family spend more time in the in the word that would be a good idea and then finally if you really want to get your head right and stop moving into striving and, and, and stay in the sweet spot of working from, you know, a place of active rest, if you want to sit in that sweet spot where that rhythm of grace is just with you, then you've got to take a longer term view of success. One of the reasons why we tend to push too hard and strive too much is in our mind, we've got a very short window of what success has to happen. It's like, I've got to do all of this in 90 days or six months or one year. A- and what it does is it, it gets you out of that rhythm of grace and into your own flesh and into striving because you've created a window, uh, you know, a timeline that forces you to do that. You know, whereas if you start to think about, okay, well, in this next 12 months, I don't have to be best. I've just got to be better. I've just got to have moved further ahead. And if I do that every year, then maybe in three to four years, yeah, this is going to be amazing. But if your horizon is too short, you're going to live continually frustrated and you're going to move to, I need to control all of this to get my outcomes. So just understand that success in anything, but success in business is a three, five, seven, ten year window. Okay, it's not all going to happen in 90 days. It's not going to happen by this Friday. It's probably not even going to happen this year. As long as you're moving towards and increasing and growing in your numbers, you will get there. But if you just start to look further down the horizon and give yourself a little buffer so that you can think clearly and be creative, you're going to do a better job in the moment anyway, right? So by taking a long-term view, uh, it takes a lot of the pressure off. And, uh, and it stops you moving over into that, like putting God in a little box and saying, I'll be back later, I need to handle this. When you think about how crazy it is to say to the creator of the entire universe, uh, I'm going to put you on the sideline for a while because I've got this issue in my business, is madness. Wouldn't you want the creator of the universe who's got plenty of ideas that you might want to download from to get a divine strategy on how to get through a situation? right? That's the difference between kingdom business and Christians in business, right? That's the difference. You are always open to that divine inspiration, and that is how you will win. Well, look at that, eh? There's a little bit of teaching. Out of what I just said, what's the one thought that popped out to you? What's the one thing that, as you heard that, you're like, hmm, that's a good point. Uh, I want to hear that and put it in the comments for me, please, right? I want to hear what's the stuff that's popping for you, All right? I want the feedback loop from you guys as to how this works. Did you know that this show goes onto Facebook, it goes onto YouTube, it goes onto Instagram, it goes onto iTunes, and it goes onto LinkedIn? Do me a favor, would you? Tell more people about the show so that I can spread the message. Love ya. See ya.